Hello and welcome back to another week's episode of Husky Talk. We are your hosts, Amara, Frank, Geneva, Gretchen, and Matthew. Today on our show, we will be interviewing a participant of the Iditarod Trail Invitational. He also hosts his own podcast called 10 Junk Miles. Please give it up for Scott Coomer. Hello, Scott, and welcome to Husky Talk. How are you doing today? Excellent. How are all of you? Good. We would like to introduce ourselves to you. We are Gretchen, Geneva, Amara, Matthew, and Frank. We are in seventh grade. We all run cross-country and track here in Command. Well, it's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you, too. Normally, we start our show with Iditarod trivia from the dog race, but since you are a runner, we changed our trivia up for you to center around the human-powered event. So we have five trivia questions for you. Ready? Oh, boy. Okay. I hope I can do all right. I mean, that's going to make me feel less confident if I don't, if I don't win the trivia contest and <laughs> go run. Go ahead. Let's go. Who won the ITI 1,000-mile foot race last year? Um, oh, boy. Was it um, a guy named Beat, B-E-A-T, Jagerliner? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, boom. Our class interviewed him last year on the podcast. He might be one of the most interesting people in the world. And if you asked me if I could go and spend time with anybody on the trail, like to get to know them, I would pick him. <laughs> we, who founded ITI? I don't know if there was a... Is, are you asking for a person's name? Yeah. Then I don't know the answer. Bill Merchant. Oh, Bill, oh, the the okay, the race. Yes, Bill Merchant. Okay, I thought you meant who founded the Iditarod Trail, like the, the actual event. Oh. But okay. What do you cross under when you finish one the one thousand mile race in Nome? It's a big uh, wooden arch of some kind. It's got like two posts and then like a sign in the middle. Good job. Okay. Where does the ITI race start? Oh, it's, it starts in Knick Lake, K-N-I-K. Good kind job. Near Anchorage. Where does the 350-mile race end? Well, I, I know this one. It's McGrath because, because I'm scared of the race. I, <laughs> I have that in my phone as one of the places, the temperature that I'm checking every day. And every day I look at McGrath, and it's like minus 25 degrees, and it's kind of scary. Good job on the trivia. You are four out of five. Now to learn a little bit about who you are. First, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a lawyer, and I live in Chicago, and I got into running because uh, I had another lawyer friend that ran, and then just from there I learned about ultra running and trail running and winter running, and it kind of snowballed, no pun intended, to where we are today. Did you do cross-country or track in high school? I did not. I played football freshman year, and then I broke my leg, and then because of my leg healing, I didn't do any sports throughout high school at all. We are only two and a half hours west of Chicago. Our teacher told us that you have your own podcast called 10 Junk Miles. 
Did you know you were her inspiration for us starting our podcast? I do know that I helped her with starting her podcast. I did not know that I was the inspiration for her starting her podcast. Um, that's pretty cool because not only does that mean that all the stuff that she's doing and people listening to affects people, but that all of you getting involved in it had something to do with that as well. So that makes me feel pretty good. All right. Most of the people we interview are centered around sled dogs and mushing. We have also interviewed people that have done the Iditarod Trail Invitational. Can you start off by telling the listeners what ITI is? Well, to my understanding is that there was a um, there was a problem way back in the olden days where they needed to get some penicillin from uh, from one side of Alaska to the other, and to transport it, they kind of formed this trail, and then that trail turned into an annual sled dog race, and then at some point in time, they decided to make it into a uh, a separate race for foot, bike, and um, ski. And so now today what we have is the ITI 1000, the 350, and I think there's a 100-mile distance as well, and they all kind of grew out of that. We hear you like to run in cold races. Can you tell us what interests you about that? I like cold races because I'm, I'm not very fast, but I'm smart, and I have good endurance. And um, for these cold races, it's more about trying to figure things out and not make mistakes and to keep hiking or power walking forward and not so much who's the fastest guy or who can climb the mountain the fastest. So it kind of works to my strengths, and I really enjoy being outside in the winter in the trails. Is there someone or something that motivates you to do these cold weather races? I think that the, the primary thing that motivates me is the, the beauty of the trail and being able to enjoy the journey. A lot of things in my life, like my job or even some of my running, I'm around a lot of people all the time, and I really like the idea of just going off alone into the uh, woods and the snow by myself and uh, having a great journey. So you are doing the 350-mile event this year. Since this is an invitational, what do you have to do to be invited to the 350-mile race? Well, you have to complete a certain number of qualifying races, and then you submit an application, and you say, you know, this is who I am, and these are the things that I did, and please invite me, and I'll come into your race. And I think that they then look at and make sure that you have the qualifications, because they don't just want to take, you know, some person that's never even walked in snow and say, oh, well, you can do the 1,000-mile race. That would, that would be kind of bad. So they look over what you did, and then they say, well, this guy's done enough. Let's invite him to the race. What qualifying races did you do? I did the Arrowhead 135-mile race, which is in Minnesota, and I've done the Tuscobia 160-mile race, which is in Wisconsin. I've done the Active Epica 125-kilometer race, which is in Winnipeg, Canada, and then I've also done the Frozen Otter 64-mile race, which is in Wisconsin. Those are the ones that I finished. And then I think that I also listed the fact that I have tried and failed at some of those races multiple times, too, because although it doesn't show you you finished, it shows that you tried and you have more experience. In the dog race, there's required gear the mushers must carry with them at all times. Is there any required gear you have to bring with you? There is not. 
It's very unusual, this race. Um, most of the other winter races that I do have a very, very long list of things that you have to carry with you. In this race, they do not. And I think it's just because they figure if you get there and you're going to try this, you know what you're doing and you're going to carry the things that you need. We saw there are checkpoints in this race. What do you do at the checkpoints? Do you sleep there, eat? What really goes at, on at these checkpoints? I think it depends on um, how you're doing in the race. Um, if, if I get to a checkpoint and I'm sleepy or if I need to take a break and sit down, I can do that. Uh, if you get to a checkpoint and all you need is some more food and you're feeling good and you want to keep going, um, you can do that too. It's sort of a, <clears throat> like an optional place where you can regroup and reassess your situation and decide, you know, what, if anything, you need. I, I don't um, think that, that it would be good to plan because it's very hard to, um, to know what I'm going to want to do when I get to that checkpoint. We see there are supply drops. What kind of things do you put in your supply drops? Um, they have to be what are called consumables, which means food, um, gas, uh, batteries, things like that that, um, that that I would have to use while I'm on the trail. But you can't put, like, a new pair of shoes and some skis and some goggles. It has to all be, you know, food fuel, those kinds of items. How do you train for these types of races where there is not much snow or even the same freezing cold temperatures? That's a really good question because for the last few years I've been doing these races and there's been no snow in Chicago prior to doing the race and then after the race it will snow and stuff. So what I try to do is I try to be in reasonably good shape generally and then do a lot of hiking if I can. So whereas, you know, throughout the year I might go and, and run, you know, three or four times a week, now I probably hike, you know, half of my runs, and then sometimes when I'm in a run I'll stop and I'll hike like four or five miles and try and keep track of how fast I'm hiking. I also walk my dog a lot more, and he really likes that. That's nice. The dog race starts one week after your race starts. Since you are out there so long, do you, any of the sled dog racers catch up to you? My guess is that they will and that they would probably all pass me, um, which will be kind of exciting because although I've been in other races where they've said there are sled dogs and that the sled dogs have the right of way, meaning you get out of the way when they come, I've never been in a situation where I've seen a bunch of sled dogs, and I think that would be totally awesome if I was running and a sled dog passed me. We know you interviewed people from the ITI. Can you tell us a crazy story you have heard from one of them? I think the craziest story that I've heard was from my friend Scott, and um, he was winning the race the whole time, and then he forgot to eat, and he forgot to drink, and he forgot to sleep, and he got kind of crazy, and he kind of lost his mind, and he thought that he was at um, the circus, and then he thought he was at like a concert, and he was seeing people and hearing things, and then he thought that he had already finished the race. Um, and eventually they came and they rescued him, but he spent like a whole day just going back and forth between one mile kind of confused. Wow, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. What, do you, what are you most nervous about for the race? The thing that scares me the most is water that I would fall into the water or there would be some like 
like ice that I would fall through or something like that, getting wet and then having to get dry while I'm out there. That's that's the number one thing that like I freak out about and get scared about. We interviewed a runner that fell through the, the ice last year. Do you remember who that was? Oh, the guy that I think his name is Pete. Oh, Pete Ripmaster. Yeah, Ripmaster. Yeah, no, he's great. Now, the next part of our show we call Lightning Round. We have five questions for you to answer as quick as you can. Are you ready? Yes. Favorite song? Uh, favorite song. I see, I'm already screwing up. <laughs> favorite song. I'm totally blanking. Pass. Pass. <laughs> Favorite movie? Uh, Casablanca. Favorite holiday? Uh, Thanksgiving. Favorite checkpoint in race? Um, finish line. Does that count? That's a checkpoint, right? <laughs> Bucket list race? Um, I did a rod 1,000, the, the bigger one. We are asking all of our guests... Who are three people you feel would be great guests on our show? It could be anybody. Um, well, you already had Bayat, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you have his girlfriend, Jill? Jill Homer? Yes. Oh, she would be really good. Um, is it just about winter racing? Dog sleds, anything. Dog sleds, anything. Dog sleds, anything. Um, I, what about Paul Schlegel? you know that guy? No. Okay, he would be a good one because he's a nurse, and he's done this. He's done the 350, and he's done all the winter races multiple times, and he's a really good talker. And then one more. Oh, one more person. Um, <laughs> maybe <clears throat> there's another guy named Dan Slater who did it um, the same year as Paul, and he lives in Michigan. He's a really nice guy. He did the 350 last year. Do you have any questions for us? Uh, why is it called Husky Talk because of the Iditarod, or is that your school mascot? Uh, it's from the Iditarod. And why did you guys get interested in the Iditarod in the first place? Like, what brought this about? Uh, our teacher was teacher on the trail. Your teacher was teaching about that trail, and then you guys decided to do a podcast about it? Um, so she, uh, like, did all this stuff, like, getting ready to, she also went on the trail and, like, to, like, learn more about it, and, yeah, she was the I did her odd teacher on the trail for 2015. Nice. Do you enjoy doing a podcast? Yes. Yes. So, like, all your friends and your parents and your relatives, they all listen to it? Most of them. Oh, that's awesome. And other school students. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, you know who else? Did you guys ever talk to Ray Zahab? No. No. 
I'll put him down. He's probably the mo- the best one because he he's a, he's an explorer. He goes all over even in the winter. But he also runs an organization that does um, they take kids on expeditions and then other kids can watch the expeditions and learn about them. He's a really good, interesting guy. Thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to us. Good luck in your race. We will be following you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Special thanks to our guest, Scott Coomer, for being on our show this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please stop by iTunes and leave us a review. It helps with our ratings. If you have any questions, comments, or people you would like to hear on the show, email us at huskytalk1 at gmail.com. If we hear from you or you leave a review, we will read it on the show. We also like to give credit to Homo Jim for our theme song, the Iditarod Trail song. And now enjoy a clip from Scott's favorite song, We're Not Lost by the Show Ponies. Where we are